Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, bless the Lord. Welcome to the Word on Wednesday with Pastor Winfred Burns. Once again, we are in the book of Acts, and we need to take up where we left off. We've been away for the past couple of weeks, um, and so we want to jump right in and get started on our lesson for tonight. Um, Just a quick review, Um, we're looking now in Acts at the spread of the gospel. If you remember, there is persecution going on, and um, the the disciples or the apostles have been forced to flee. Specifically, the Hellenistic Jews have been run out of Jerusalem, and in running them out of Jerusalem, Interesting. Uh, In running them out of Jerusalem, uh, what's happened is that the gospel is being spread, and it's being spread to all over the land. I want to pick up right there. I'm having a a few problems with the video feed, and so we're going to, you know, just don't worry about it. We're going to get into this real quickly. need to start out by praying. That's what we need to do. We need to pray because things go better with prayer. Amen? So let's just let's just stop everything, stop the review, and have a word of prayer and settle down on this lesson. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and we praise you. We thank you, O oh God, that even though we've been away the past couple of weeks, that, God, you are a healer and that you've healed our body and allowed us to come back stronger than ever. Now, Father, that your word, that your word might be sown in the hearts of believers, that your word might penetrate the hearts of non-believers. We pray tonight for your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide your word We pray that the Holy Spirit would just arrest those who don't know you, that the Holy Spirit through your word would strengthen and guide those that do. God, how we thank you and how we praise you. Now be our teacher tonight. God, move me out of the way and be our teacher. Yes, I have notes. Yes, there are plans. But, Father, we surrender every plan to you that your will would be done that your word would be preached. God, your word is spirit. Your word is truth. Help us tonight in Jesus' name as we seek to receive a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm about just praying a little bit that just helps you out. Okay. 
So we want to dive right in. I've got 30 minutes, and I want to use them judiciously starting right now. Okay, so when we last met, we were we did we we talked about chapter eight where the gospel is being spread because and what precipitates the spread of the gospel is persecution and Hellenistic Jews are being literally driven out of the land. Stephen dies. Um, Stephen is martyred, and they think that just because Stephen is no longer there that this thing is going to die down. Nothing could be farther from the truth because we see that the gospel not only spreads to Samaria, an area where uh, Jews just didn't go, to all the way over into the territory of the Philistines. And even more, when Paul, when the, uh, uh, Philip ministers to the Ethiopian eunuch, He is going to take the gospel down into Africa. But now we come upon one of the principles uh, in the gospel. When we get to Acts chapter 9, we get to Saul of Tarsus. And so, uh, and, and you'll find that Saul plays a leading role the rest of the way in this gospel. We'll get a little bit more of, uh, of Peter. But Saul becomes the principal character as he spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's jump right in at Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, Men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So, <clears throat> Paul is on his way, and he has a letter of extradition. He has literally been driving the 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 the, the, the new Christian. He's been driving Christians out of Jerusalem. He's been hauling them into court. And now he wants to take his campaign of persecution north. So he goes to Damascus. And now remember that in, in Damascus, um, Damascus is a city in Syria. And if you, if you look in your Bibles, 
you'll see that Syria is north of Jerusalem, and the, Syr the Syrians, and especially those of Damascus, are under Roman rule, and there are synagogues in Damascus. And so apparently what has happened is that in Jerusalem, uh, Herod has given the church in Jerusalem or uh, um, the priesthood, the high priests, authority over all the Jewish synagogues. And so what he does is he, uh, Paul goes to the high priest and he asks for letters to, to extradite those believers in Damascus in the, specifically in, that are connected to the synagogues in Damascus, and he, and he wants to bring them down to Jerusalem to put them on t trial and possibly, and possibly sentence them to death. Now, again, they don't have the right, the Jews do not have the right to put anyone to death, uh, but if there is blasphemy involved and it's on the in it is blasphemy against the temple within the precincts of the temple, they have uh, the authority to handle any kind of uprising because they have a, they've been given this authority from the Roman government. But when they go outside of the temple precinct, then we got a problem. That's when they have a problem. So, again, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to, to bring them back to Jerusalem and try them before the Sanhedrin. And this is what Paul is, do, is doing. And Paul is probably traveling with a contingent of temple guards to go to Damascus and present this letter of extradition so he can, so he can take those, those, the people out of Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem. Um, so, on his way to Jerusalem, as an agent of the high priest, Saul is confronted by Jesus. And most of us who we know the story, and I've just read it to you, where Jesus confronts Saul and says, you're persecuting me. Now, Saul doesn't understand this language initially because, look, I'm standing for God. Because Paul is, 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 is literally, literally believes that he is doing the work of the Lord. Remember now, the Pharisees, which Paul is one of them, they were the ones, they were the stewards of the law. They understood the law. They were going, the Pharisees were going to make sure that they never were in error again, that they would never go back into captivity, that God would never have to punish them again because they were going to do things right. And this new thing that has come along is wrong, and Paul stands for right. And Jesus confronts him on the Damascus Road, and he says, you are persecuting me. And he says, who are you? Who are you? And look, look at what he says. He says, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then, and then all of a sudden he says, now here's what you're going to do. You're going to get up off the ground because when the light shone, he was thrown from his horse. He says, you're going to get up off the ground, 
and you're going to go on to Damascus, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do from there. So he goes from going on a mission from, from the high priest to being commissioned by God to serve him. So let's keep going. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So he's blinded. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So now some people might think he went on a, a, a fast or something like that. Saul went into prayer. Saul went into prayer because obviously, I mean, you think about this for a second. This, 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 this is just basic. You on your way somewhere. The Lord appears to you. You're blinded. What you going to do? You're definitely not on your way to Burger King. You're going, I mean, Saul's whole world is turned upside down. And so he goes into prayer. And look, look, verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Let's stop right there. So, while Saul is blinded and carried to uh, uh, um, the house of Judas, God is working behind the scenes with Ananias. And when the Lord speaks to Ananias and tells Ananias, Ananias, got something I want you to do. I want you to go on this, over the straight street to Judas's house, and I want you to lay hands on Saul. He said, wait a minute, Saul of Tarsus? I know him. That guy right there, he's an enemy of the church. You want, he got, he got letters of extradition to haul folk back. Lord, I mean, think about it for a second. If God called you to serve him, by having you go to the an enemy, an arch enemy of the church, somebody somebody that you know don't want nothing to do with you, nobody that you know don't want nothing to do with God, nothing that's that's going to kill you. The first chance he gets, he's already been participated in the death of Stephen, and all of a sudden God's gonna tell you, oh, go go to him. First of all, we have to understand that, that God works a little bit differently than us. He's got a plan, and he knows 
what his plan is, and it's up to us to be obedient. Now, first of all, Saul is obedient. He goes, he stops his mission, even though he couldn't have, probably couldn't have done it even if he wanted to. But he stops and he goes and he sits his happy self down. Then Ananias is called to serve. And one of the things that, that I've learned is that serving God is not comfortable. Serving God is not at our convenience. Serving God sometimes does not make sense. But God didn't call for our service to make sense. God called for us to be faithful and obedient. God says, look, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So stop trying to, to figure me out. Stop trying to figure my plan out. I'll tell you what I want you to know, and you do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it. You know, in this, this day and age right now, we've got it just, we've got it backwards. We're no longer the servants of God. God is our servant. Think about that for a second how often we go to church and we put in, it's like, it's like going to Burger King. We say, we want a double meat whopper, whole lettuce, whole tomatoes, and it shouldn't take you long to do that. And then when our order is not filled, then we get an attitude. Well, let me tell you something. Lose the attitude because God is not your servant. You are the servant of God. We, when we got saved and signed on, what does is, what is, what is Romans 12 say? I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What, is the, what does the scripture tell, teach us? That we died when we were baptized. We were baptized unto the death. And then now that we, when we rose, when we participated in the resurrection, now we're resurrected in Christ. And the life that we now live, we live by the power of God. We surrendered our lives. So if you surrendered your life, and if you are a disciple, if you are a servant, then it behooves us to be obedient. We got, I mean, we have twisted this thing around so bad that, I mean, yeah, come on. No, we're servants. And like Ananias, when God tells us to do something, even though we don't understand it, even though we don't like it, even though we anticipate some suffering, we just got to do it. It's as simple as that. Faith requires you, if you really have faith, if you really trust in God and trust the plan, faith requires that you obey. That's real faith. That's the faith that God is calling us to. He's not calling us to, to as I say, conveniently do what we feel like doing when we feel like doing it. You know, and I hear this word bandied about, about uh, kingdom living, kingdom living, kingdom living. I'm living in the kingdom. If you are really a ki living in the kingdom, then 
part of living in the kingdom is participating in the suffering of Christ. Nobody wants to suffer, but that's what we signed up for. Look at, look at. I'm gonna show you. I'll show you real quickly, and then we'll we'll, we'll go on. Go re, turn over to Matthew chapter five. It's real quick. It's suffering stuff. I get it. I know y'all. I know y'all don't like me telling y'all about this, but I gotta tell you the truth. Matthew chapter five, verse eleven. What does it say? Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when we suffer, we, it's like we find the favor of God. God favors us because he announces that we are blessed. He says, we, and, and what did he say? If you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. Sometimes we have to be willing to go through. Sometimes we have, as they say, sometimes we in the lions, being in the lions, win. It's as simple as that. Ananias is being given an assignment that he doesn't want to take, but he is obedient and he takes it. And let's pick up. He says, because he is being positioned to be a part of the commissioning and the anointing of Saul, and Ananias is really serving in the place of a prophet, even though they don't call him one there, to go and anoint an apostle. To go and anoint an apostle. Remember um, uh, Samuel? What was Samuel's job? Samuel went, and he, his job as a prophet was to anoint David. And God picks Ananias and says, and, and if you go back and read the story of Samuel, when Samuel is called to anoint David, there's some of the same trepidations. Because when, when Samuel is called to anoint David, what's he say? If I go over there, Saul's going to kill me. There is a concern for his life. Some of us are being called to do some difficult, difficult things where we are concerned about our life. Let me tell you, your life is here with Christ. And the Bible says that if we aren't willing to lose our life, we'll never be willing to gain one. So he says, I want, this is my chosen instrument. I chose old bad Saul. Now, some of you, now I'll tell you something. Some of you are working with some people right now, and God has attracted you to some folks, and you're around them, and you can't, you don't know why you're around them. You don't want to be around them. You don't like them at all. But yet God keeps putting them in your way. Got news for you. There's an assignment there for you. God has you on assignment. And that is his chosen instrument. Now they might be stanky, they might be they might be mean, they might be oh I can I can come up with a whole lot of adjectives to describe them. 
But the, the thing, that's God's choice to do his will, and he has anointed you. He has chosen you. He has called you to go and help them get their eyes opened. Oh, we, you are the vessel that God has chosen. Let me keep going. And I wasn't, I wasn't going this way, by the way. I, as a matter of fact, I want to finish all of chapter 9. It won't happen tonight. But, but that's a word from the Lord. That is a word from, as a matter of fact, that's a word from the Lord from me because I'm telling you right now, God has me on an assignment, and there's some people that I basically, I, I don't want to be bothered with them. I don't like them at all. They're nasty people. But yet, it keeps putting them in my way, and even right now as I speak to you, I am under the conviction of God. Yes, I am, because now I recognize, oh, man, you mean to tell me that you're going to use that? I can make a lot of jokes now. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel, messing with them, but that is God's chosen instrument. And I have no right, and we have no right to tell God who he chooses. Because if you think about it, I'll go into that passage where it says, and such were some of you. Because God chooses the stuff that others reject to confound the wisdom of the wise. I don't want to go there, but let me keep going. He's a chosen instrument. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So God, not, not only does he call him and commission him, but he empowers him with the Holy Spirit. So the same thing that we see that happened to the apostles and, and, and those on the day of Pentecost now happens to Saul. Saul's eyes are open. He's enlightened. He is empowered. Go back to David after David received his anointing from Samuel. What happened? God filled David with the Holy Ghost. God fills Saul with his Holy Spirit. And what is the, why does he fill him? He fills him to enable him to complete the mission that God is going to send him on. Go back a couple of verses. What did he say? He told him, he says, you go, you go to where I'm going to the city. Go ahead on to Judas's house. He says, and I'm going to tell you what's going to go on from there. Now, the next, so we have this confrontation with Jesus, the conversion of Saul, not only the conversion, but the filling of Saul, and then there's the baptism of Saul. So he goes through all of the steps. And notice, notice that, you know, some, some people think that you get baptized and then you get filled. No, don't, stop trying to order God. Stop trying to say it is done in this order. God does things the way he wants to do them. You know, we get us theologians, we try to get things, put God in such a neat little box and say, this is the way he operates and he does this. We can talk about his tendencies, 
But in trying to put him in a box, what we do is we try to confine him and define him. And you can't define God. The man not big enough. God is going to do what he wants to do. So get it out your mind that everything is this little, nice little neat formula. No. No, no, it doesn't work that way. So you have the confrontation, you have the conversion, where, he, where and then you have the filling, and you have the baptism. And the baptism, again, again we're, we're going to go through that in, in detail, but baptism is just being brought into the body of Christ, the universal body of Christ. Baptism is, is, is when we basically uh, are born again. Uh, uh, no, that's, that's not the right way to say it where we announce, where it is announced, where it is officially announced that we are born into the body of Christ, that we now have a, um, how do I put it, we're now living a new life. We're going a new way. I need to go, I need to really spend some time with you guys in baptism because there's some wonderful things about baptism that we miss out on. And I don't, I don't, I, I can't do it justice right now. But anyway, so now here, for some days, he, he was with the disciples at Damascus. I'm at verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. There is a, there's a little, seemingly a little clash here uh, between Acts chapter 9 and Galatians chapter 1. Where, and what we have here is a summary in Acts, and it gives us more detail about what happened during those years um, in Galatians chapter 1. And let, let, let's flip over there real quick because it's, it's really important that we understand that this is not an overnight thing that happens. Turn over to Galatians chapter 1 real quick. Um, I've got about five minutes Okay, it said, here's the testimony of Saul concerning those years in Damascus. Um, he says, I'll start reading at verse 11, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. For I would have you to know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown to persons to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. 
and they glorified God because of me. So what we see is Paul is literally in this region off and on for about three years, for about three years. Uh, after he receives a word, we, we can't, we, he didn't go consult with anybody. We know that he goes down south of Jerusalem into uh, what we now know to be the northern part of Saudi Arabia, somewhere around the Jordan, somewhere around Mount Hebron, all those places he travels to. Now, when we look at the narrative in Acts, it looked as if he immediately begins preaching and testifying that Jesus is the Christ. We can't be sure of the timing, but we do know that he spent some time apart. It was kind of like um, uh, he goes, uh, like a wilderness experience just like Jesus had. But he spends some time in Arabia. Uh, he, go, he goes down in that area. Uh, we'll see the, the, the path that we see traced through Acts is that once he's run out of Damascus, uh, that he goes down into Jerusalem and then Arabia. Um, Galatians and Acts are a little fuzzy, and the way we explain it back to as we teach it is that um, in Acts, Luke is giving us more of a summary, and in Galatians, he's giving us more detail. Okay? So you know that. So it says, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the Son of God. Look at the witness of God coming through. Immediately, when Saul goes into the synagogue, he was going into the synagogues to get out the people of the way. He was going, to, his initial, what he initially came to do was to get Christians out of there. And now he's testifying for Christ. I bet you that threw a monkey wrench in their plans because they're looking for this guy who come, to come and purify their synagogues and get all of the believers of Christ out of there so Judaism could flourish. And here is this guy who comes in, and what does he do? He testifies about Christ. Well, I got to stop there because my 30 minutes are up. Um, I won't even get to any kind of conclusions or anything on this chapter because it, it, I got to lay some more found. I got to lay some more groundwork. You know where we are right now. We'll pick up here, right where we left off next week. But just understand one thing: God can call. He wants to call. One of the things that we do is we basically judge. We're basically guilty of judging. We're basically guilty of of picking who we think God should call and going after them and the unlikeliest person, people in the world, the people that we uh uh-uh, that 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 drunk on the corner, that mean woman, that cussing boy, that wine head, the the the, 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 the person that's 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 dealing drugs right now. That person that's in jail, we don't want to be bothered with them. That boy walking around with his pants all lying around his ankle, we don't want to be bothered with those folks because they are not qualified to serve God. And But you find yourself attracted to them. And you find yourself, God saying, go do this. And you're like, I don't have nothing to do with them. Mm, better pray. You better pray. 
because the one that you are ready to reject, that's the one who is a is is, is God's instrument. That is the chosen of God. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. And tonight, God, as we come to you, we come repenting because we try to mind your business. We try to call folks. We try to pick the ones that we want to witness to. We try to pick the ones that we think are are going to be profitable for the kingdom. And we don't know what we're doing. We're just like Samuel. Father, when he looked up and he saw uh, 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 David's brothers and said, oh, that's the one right there, that's the one right there, that's the one right there, that's a big pretty one. And we, we should have learned right then and there that we look at the exterior, but you look at the heart. And that's something that, God, that we need reinforced in us every day. Because, God, we eyebrow all over the place, and we neglect to serve you. We order the people that we want to order, and we reject the ones that you call. We are wrong. And so we repent before you today and ask that you would allow us to to see what you see and participate in your mission and, and participate in such a way um, where we know, God, to just obey, to just obey. God, we ask that in Jesus' name. We are so sorry because we mow in the way. We do more to hinder you than we do to help. And, Father, we want to be a part of your mission, not a hindrance to your mission. Help us to to learn how to help you by being obedient and hearing your voice. God, we thank you and praise you for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just real briefly, just real briefly, um, we're finishing up in our daily appointments with God. This Friday, we will complete the book of John. We've been reading John for several weeks, and we've been having a wonderful time reading that book. And now we're going to go over to Exodus. Uh, I'm asking you, number one, to, to join us as we read through Exodus. If, you're not, um, if, you, if you have not developed the discipline of being in the Word and in prayer every day, join us in our daily appointments with God by going to the Word, Worship, and Witness Ministries YouTube channel, subscribing to it. I put out one Monday through Friday, put out a, a, a new devotional reading every day, Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays, and I'll put them out. And, the, and, and use the YouTube channel for that. There's some analytical things on that YouTube provides that helps me to understand uh, who's using the devotional and how they're using it. And that's really important because we work very, very hard to advance the Word of God. Notice that I'll teach on Wednesday night, but during the daily devotionals, what those devotionals are, are designed to do is get you into the Word and then get you before God so you and God can have a conversation about his word. I'm not in that. All I do is I serve up the meal, 
and then you and God get a chance to talk alone. Will you help me by subscribing to that channel and even more by sharing the channel with others? We found out that we have people in uh, Russia and in Ghana looking at, at the scriptures. And we want to spread it all over the world. That's, that's exciting to me to, to have people over there doing that. But I'm homeboy, and I'm really concerned about the ones around me. And I know, I know for a fact that a lot of you guys are going three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days and not getting any word in you. And you got to have some word. How are you going to do what God say do? If you don't know what he's saying, hmm, I ain't going to fuss. I'm just going to basically say, you got to get in the word. Well, this has been Pastor Winfred Burns with the word on Wednesday. We'll pick up at Acts chapter 9 next week. You have a wonderful, wonderful week, and stay in the word. Amen.